Hey, 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 welcome back. All right. <laughs> and so glad to have you here. Chapter 16 of The Power of Your Subconscious Mind, Your Subconscious Mind, and Harmonious Human Relations. It's nice when you look at somebody and you smile and give them a nod, and you find that they do the exact same back to you. I look forward to that being the baseline once again, when I can actually see people smile. I will say this before we get into it. I was at the grocery store this morning, and it is real. You can tell past the mask when someone smiles. If you make a concerted effort to really squinch up those cheeks and squeeze those eyeballs to emulate the upper facial properties of a fantastic smile that all of you have, you'd be able to pick up on it. And it certainly gave me that nice flood of, hey, somebody recognizes me. And I squinched up my cheeks and eyeballs and smiled right back through the face covering I had on at the time. Okay, here we go. In studying this book, you learn that your subconscious mind is a recording machine which faithfully reproduces whatever you impress upon it. This is one of the reasons for the application of the golden rule in human relations. Matthew 7.12 says, All things whatsoever ye would that man should do unto you, do ye even so to them. Some archaic English. Thank you, Mr. Murphy, for breaking this down. We continue. This quotation has outer and inner meanings. You are interested in its inner meaning from the standpoint of your subconscious mind, which is, as you would that men should think about you, Think you about them in like manner. Ah, okay. As you would that men should feel about you, feel also about them in like manner. As you would want men to act toward you, act toward them in like manner. For example, you may be polite and courteous to someone in your office, but when his back is turned, you're very critical and resentful toward them in your mind. Such negative thoughts are highly destructive to you. It's like taking poison. You're actually taking mental poisons, which rob you of vitality, enthusiasm, strength, guidance, and goodwill. These negative thoughts and emotions sink down into your subconscious and cause all kinds of difficulties and maladies in your life. The Master Key to Happy Relations with Others Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. Matthew 7, 1-2 A study of these verses and the application of the inner truths therein contained represent the real key to harmonious relations. To judge is to think, to arrive at a mental verdict or conclusion in your mind. The thought you have about the other person is your thought because you are thinking it. Your thoughts are creative, therefore you actually create in your own experience what you think and feel about the other person. 
It's also true that the suggestion you give to another, you give to yourself, because your mind is the creative medium. This is why it's said, For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. When you know this law and the way your subconscious mind works, you are careful to think, feel, and act right toward the other. These verses teach you about the emancipation of man and reveal to you the solution to your individual problems. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. The good you do for others comes back to you in like measure, and the evil you do returns to you by the law of your own mind. If a man cheats and deceives another, he's actually cheating and deceiving himself. His sense of guilt and mood of loss inevitably will attract loss to him in some way, at some time. His subconscious records his mental act and reacts according to the mental intention or motivation. Your subconscious mind is impersonal and unchanging, neither considering persons nor respecting religious affiliations or institutions of any kind. It's neither compassionate nor vindictive. The way you think, feel, and act towards others returns at last upon yourself. The daily headlines made him sick. Begin now to observe yourself. Hey, especially in this timeline, my goodness, all of the crazy news that we're getting piled onto our heads. Observe your reactions to people, conditions, and circumstances. How do you respond to the events and news of the day? It makes no difference if all the other people were wrong and you alone were right. If the news disturbs you, it is your evil because your negative emotions robbed you of peace and harmony. A woman wrote to me about her husband saying that he goes into a rage when he reads what certain newspaper columnists write in the newspaper. She added that this constant reaction of anger and suppressed rage on his part brought on bleeding ulcers and his physician recommended an emotional reconditioning. It's a very forward-thinking physician there. I invited the man to see me, and I explained to him the way his mind functions, indicating how emotionally immature it was to get angry when others write articles with which he disapproves or disagrees. He began to realize that he should give the newspaper man freedom to express himself, even though the latter disagreed with him politically, religiously, or in any other way. In the same manner, the newspaper man would give him freedom to write a letter to the newspaper disagreeing with his published statements. He learned that he could disagree without being disagreeable. He awakened to the simple truth that it is never what a person says or does that affects him. It is his reaction to what is said or done that matters. This explanation was the cure for this man, and he realized that with a little practice he could master his morning tantrums. His wife told me subsequently that he laughed at himself and also at what the columnists say. They no longer have power to disturb, annoy, and irritate him. His ulcers have disappeared due to his emotional poise and serenity. I hate women, but I like men. A private secretary was very bitter towards some of the girls in her office because they were gossiping about her and, as she said, spreading vicious lies about her. She admitted that she did not like women. She said, I hate women, but I like men. I discovered also that she spoke to the girls who were under her in the office in a very haughty, imperious, and irritable tone of voice. She pointed out that they took a delight in making things difficult for her. There was a certain pomposity in her way of speaking, and I could see where her tone of voice would affect some people unpleasantly. 
If all the people in the office or factory annoy you, isn't it a possibility that the vibration, annoyance, and turmoil may be due to some subconscious pattern or mental projection from you? We know that a dog will react ferociously if you hate or fear dogs. Animals pick up on your subconscious vibrations and react accordingly. Many undisciplined human beings are just as sensitive as dogs, cats, and other animals. I suggested a process of prayer to this private secretary who hated women, explaining to her that when she began to identify herself with spiritual values and commenced to affirm the truths of life, her voice, mannerisms, and hatred of women would completely disappear. She was surprised to know that the emotion of hatred shows up in a person's speech, actions, and in their writings, and in all phases of their life. She ceased reacting in the typical resentful and angry way. She established a pattern of prayer which she practiced regularly, systematically, and conscientiously in the office. The prayer was as follows. I think, speak, and act lovingly, quietly, and peacefully. I now radiate love, peace, tolerance, and kindliness to all the girls who criticized me and gossiped about me. I anchor my thoughts on peace, harmony, and goodwill to all. Whenever I'm about to react negatively, I say firmly to myself, I'm going to think, speak, and act from the standpoint of the principle of harmony, health, and peace within myself. Creative intelligence leads, rules, and guides me in all my ways. The practice of this prayer transformed her life, and she found that all criticism and annoyance ceased. The girls became co-workers and friends along life's journey. She discovered that there is no one to change but myself. His inner speech held back his promotion. One day, a salesman came to see me and described his difficulties in working with the sales manager of his organization. He'd been with the company 10 years and had received no promotion or recognition of any kind. He showed me his sales figures, which were greater proportionately than the other men in the territory. He said that the sales manager did not like him, that he was unjustly treated, and that at conferences the manager was rude to him and at times ridiculed his suggestions. I explained that undoubtedly the cause was to a great degree within himself and that his concept and belief about his superior bore witness to the reaction of this man. The measure we meet shall be measured to us again. His mental measure or concept of the sales manager was that he was mean and cantankerous. Ooh, that's a great word. Cantankerous. He was filled with bitterness and hostility toward the executive. On his way to work, he conducted a vigorous conversation within himself, filled with criticism, mental arguments, recriminations, and denunciations of his sales manager. What he gave out mentally, he was inevitably bound to get back. This salesman realized that his inner speech was highly destructive because the intensity and force of his silent thoughts and emotions and personally conducted mental condemnation and vilification of the sales manager entered into his own subconscious mind. This brought about the negative response from his boss as well as creating many other personal, physical, and emotional disorders. He began to pray frequently as follows. I am the only thinker in my universe. I am responsible for what I think about my boss. My sales manager is not responsible for the way I think about him. I refuse to give power to any person, place, or thing to annoy or disturb me.
I wish health, success, peace of mind, and happiness for my boss. I sincerely wish him well, and I know he is divinely guided in all his ways. He repeated this prayer out loud slowly, quietly, and feelingly, knowing that his mind is like a garden, and that whatever he plants in the garden will come forth like seeds after their kind. I also taught him to practice mental imagery prior to sleep in this way. He imagined that his sales manager was congratulating him on his fine work and his zeal and enthusiasm and on his wonderful response from customers. He felt the reality of all this, felt his handshake, heard the tone of his voice, and saw him smile. He made a real mental movie, dramatizing it to the best of his ability. Night after night, he conducted this mental movie, knowing that his subconscious mind was the receptive plate on which his conscious imagery would be impressed. Gradually, by a process of what may be termed mental and spiritual osmosis, the impression was made on his subconscious mind, and the expression automatically came forth. The sales manager subsequently called him up to San Francisco, congratulated him, and gave him a new assignment as division sales manager over 100 men, with a big increase in salary. He changed his concept and estimate of his boss, and the latter responded accordingly. Becoming Emotionally Mature what the other person says or does cannot really annoy you or irritate you, except when you permit him to disturb you. The only way he can annoy you is through your own thought. For example, if you get angry, you have to go through four stages in your mind. You begin to think about what they said. You decide to get angry and generate an emotion of rage. Then you decide to act. Perhaps you talk back and react in kind. You see that the thought, emotion, reaction, and action all take place in your mind. When you become emotionally mature, you don't respond negatively to the criticism and resentments of others. To do so would mean that you had descended into that state of low mental vibration and become one with the negative atmosphere of the other. Identify yourself with your aim in life and do not permit any person, place, or thing to deflect you from your inner sense of peace, tranquility, and radiant health. The Meaning of Love in Harmonious Human Relations Sigmund Freud, the Austrian founder of psychoanalysis, said that unless the personality has love, it sickens and dies. Love includes understanding, goodwill, and respect for the divinity in the other person. The more love and goodwill you emanate and exude, the more comes back to you. If you puncture the other fellow's ego and wound his estimate of himself, you can't gain his goodwill. Recognize that every man wants to be loved and appreciated and made to feel important in this world. Realize that the other man is conscious of his true worth and that, like yourself, he feels the dignity of being an expression of the one life principle animating all men. As you do this consciously and knowingly, you build the other person up and they return your love and goodwill. He hated audiences. An actor told me that the audience booed and hissed him on his first appearance on the stage. Oh, that's rough. He added that the play was badly written and that undoubtedly he did not play a good role. He admitted openly to me that for months afterward he hated audiences. He called them dopes, dummies, stupid, ignorant, gullible, etc. He quit the stage in disgust and went to work in a drugstore for a year. 
One day, a friend invited him to hear a lecture in Town Hall, New York City on how to get along with ourselves. This lecture changed his life. He went back to the stage and began to pray sincerely for the audience and himself. He poured out love and goodwill every night before appearing on the stage. He made it a habit to claim that the peace of God filled the hearts of all present and that all present were lifted up and inspired. During each performance, he sent out love vibrations to the audience. Today, he's a great actor, and he loves and respects people. His goodwill and esteem are transmitted to others and are felt by them. Handling Difficult People There are difficult people in the world who are twisted and distorted mentally. They are malconditioned. Many are mental delinquents, argumentative, uncooperative, cantankerous, cynical, and sour on life. They are sick psychologically. Many people have deformed and distorted minds, probably warped during childhood. Many have congenital deformities. You would not condemn a person who has tuberculosis, nor should you condemn a person who is mentally ill. No one, for example, hates or resents a hunchback. There are many mental hunchbacks. You should have compassion and understanding. To understand all is to forgive all. And if there's one surefire way out of the corners that we all have painted ourselves in, in this very intense time, this very propagandized way we are exposed to the world that we live in, it's to understand. It's all about understanding. And through understanding, we'll be able to move forward together because we'll all be on the same relative playing field. I understand what you're coming from, and I don't have to agree with everything you say, but I can understand your perspective. I understand that you're a human, just like me. And we can move forward together as humans to make the world better for both of us. All of us. Okay, I'll keep reading. Misery loves company. The hateful, frustrated, distorted, and twisted personality is out of tune with the infinite. They resent those who are peaceful, happy, and joyous. Usually, they criticize, condemn, and vilify those who have been very good and kind to them. Their attitude is this. Why should they be so happy when I am so miserable? I want to drag them down to my own level. Misery loves company. When you understand this, you remain unmoved, calm, and dispassionate. The Practice of Empathy in Human Relations A girl visited me recently, stating that she hated another girl in her office. She gave us a reason that the other girl was prettier, happier, and wealthier than she, and in addition was engaged to the boss of the company where they worked. One day after the marriage had taken place, the crippled daughter by a former marriage of the woman whom she hated came into the office. The child put her arms around her mother and said, Mommy, Mommy, I love my new daddy. Look what he gave me. She showed her mother a wonderful new toy. She said to me, My heart went out to that little girl, and I knew how happy she must feel. I got a vision of how happy this woman was. All of a sudden, I felt love for her, and I went into the office and wished her all the happiness in the world, and I meant it. In psychological circles today, this is called empathy, which simply means the imaginative projection of your mental attitude in that of another. She projected her mental mood or the feeling of her heart in that of the other woman, 
and began to think and look out through the other woman's brain. She was actually thinking and feeling as the other woman, and also as the child, because she likewise had projected herself into the mind of the child. She was looking out from that vantage point on the child's mother. If tempted to injure or think ill of another, project yourself mentally into the mind of Moses and think from the standpoint of the Ten Commandments. If you are prone to be envious, jealous, or angry, project yourself into the mind of Jesus and think from that standpoint, and you will feel the truth of the words, Love ye one another. I mean, hey, you don't even have to go that hardcore uh, biblical, though no reason not to, but, uh, you know, walk a mile in another person's shoes. See what life is like from their point of view. And that's something that uh, neurolinguistic programming actually talks about quite a bit. In order to understand and then build out a more optimized form of mental mapping, first look through and see what the mental map of the person you're engaging with is what they may be experiencing through that, as I stated in the chapter before, uh, Benjamin Franklin multi-lens glasses from National Treasure. (laughs) See what it's like looking at the world from their eyes, and you shall absolutely gain understanding. And from understanding, we all get the hookup to make the world a better place. And if that's not what you're about, I don't know what you're about. I guess I should look through your eyes to figure that out. (laughs) Appeasement never wins. Do not permit people to take advantage of you and gain their point by temper tantrums, crying jags, or so-called heart attacks. I suppose they don't, he doesn't mean that in like the official, like, oh God, my heart is arresting. Um, I need medical attention. I don't think, you know, stop faking. I don't think he means that. These people are dictators who try to enslave you and make you do their bidding. Be firm, but kind, and refuse to yield. Appeasement never wins. Refuse to contribute to their delinquency, selfishness, and possessiveness. Remember, do that which is right. You are here to fulfill your ideal and remain true to the eternal verities and spiritual values of life, which are eternal. Give no one in all the world the power to deflect from your goal, your aim in life, which is to express your hidden talents to the world to serve humanity and to reveal more and more of God's wisdom, truth, and beauty to all the people in the world. Remain true to your ideal. Know definitely and absolutely that whatever contributes to your peace, happiness, and fulfillment must of necessity bless all people who walk the earth. The harmony of the part is the harmony of the whole, for the whole is in the part, and the part is in the whole. All you owe the other, as Paul says, is love, and love is the fulfilling of the law of health, happiness, and peace of mind. And that's really interesting. The uh, harmony of the part is the harmony of the whole, for the whole is in the part, and the part is in the whole. Uh, That uh, very much ties directly into the holographic universe principle, where within each portion of a hologram lies the entirety of the hologram in and of itself. I know, weird little tangent, but definitely, if you haven't, I cannot recommend the book The Holographic Universe enough. It's a wonderful and uh, journalistic, scientific, and well-researched book. Michael Talbot is the author. Changed my life. I've read it several times. I recommend it to everybody. I'm recommending it to you right now. 
Holographic Universe. Ooh, what a good book. And it will absolutely lend itself to an expansion of your perspective and a greater awareness of all consciousness and all of your happenings. Uh, it certainly helped me. Okay, notes to review for Chapter 16. Profitable Pointers in Human Relations. 1. Your subconscious mind is a recording machine which reproduces your habitual thinking. Think good of the other, and you're actually thinking good about yourself. 2. A hateful or resentful thought is a mental poison. Do not think ill of another, for to do so is to think ill of yourself. You are the only thinker in your universe, and your thoughts are creative. 3. Your mind is a creative medium. Therefore, what you think and feel about the other, you are bringing to pass in your own experience. This is the psychological meaning of the golden rule. As you would, that person should think about you, think you about them in the same manner. 4. To cheat, rob, or defraud another brings lack, loss, and limitation to yourself. Your subconscious mind records your inner motivations, thoughts, and feelings. These being of a negative nature, loss, limitation, and trouble come to you in countless ways. Actually, what you do to the other, you're doing to yourself. 5. The good you do, the kindness proffered, the love and good will you send forth, will all come back to you multiplied in many ways. 6. You are the only thinker in your world. You are responsible for the way you think about the other. Remember, the other person is not responsible for the way you think about them. Your thoughts are reproduced. What are you thinking now about the other person? 7. Become emotionally mature and permit other people to differ from you. They have a perfect right to disagree with you, and you have the same freedom to disagree with them. You can disagree without being disagreeable. 8. Animals pick up your fear vibrations and snap at you. If you love animals, they will never attack you. Animals go through a lot of stuff. But yeah, I mean, send out the good vibes. Animals pick up on that stuff. Many undisciplined human beings are just as sensitive as dogs, cats, and other animals. Woof. 9. Your inner speech, representing your silent thoughts and feelings, are experienced in the reactions of others toward you. 10. Wish for the other what you wish for yourself. This is the key to harmonious human relations. 11. Change your concept and estimate of your employer. Feel and know they are practicing the golden rule of law and love, and they will respond accordingly. 12. The other person cannot annoy or irritate you except if you permit them. Your thought is creative. You can bless them. If someone calls you a skunk, you have the freedom to say to the other, God's peace fills your soul. And then if you are actually a skunk, you can spray them because, psst, whatever, spray them with love. In the, uh, you know, symbolic sense, not in, uh, okay, we're moving forward. Thirteen. Love is the answer to getting along with others. Love is understanding, goodwill, and respecting the divinity of the other. 14. You would not hate a hunchback or cripple. You would have compassion. 
have compassion and understanding for mental hunchbacks who have been conditioned negatively. To understand all is to forgive all. 15. Rejoice in the success, promotion, and good fortune of the other. In doing so, you attract good fortune to yourself. 16. Never yield to emotional scenes and tantrums of others. Appeasement never wins. Do not be a doormat. Adhere to that which is right. Stick to your ideal. Knowing that the mental outlook which gives you peace, happiness, and joy is right, good, and true. What blesses you, blesses all. 17. All you owe any person in the world is love. And love is wishing for everyone what you wish for yourself. Health, happiness, and all the blessings of life. Hey, that will do it for chapter 16. All right, all right, all right. Hey, we are really priming our subconscious here. This is a lot of good stuff. Understanding, I'm all about it. Let us all venture to understand and move forward with that understanding. Because if we can understand, we can move forward together as a unit. We don't have to be so divided. I get you, you get me. Let's get this together. I don't know anybody personally that wishes malice on somebody else. I don't know that many people, but truly everybody that I know is just looking out to have the best for themselves come to pass. And that's what I want for you. That's what I want for me. Don't drink that poison of negative thought after being courteous. It can be easy. Keep on keeping on. Butterflies shall come to you along with happy dogs and cats. May the health, happiness, and all the blessings you wish for in your life rain down upon you and all of us, that we may live in the world that will provide for all of us the success, love, health, and happiness we are all attracting. Okay, you wonderful people. Thank you for hanging. I'm having a blast.